0: S.E.P. Fanfic Readings presents A Thousand Words by Olive Juice 28. Chapter 25 Taking the Good with the Bad. Grimald Place hadn't seen a party like this in ages. Music played through the entire main floor, and platters of food covered every flat surface. Creature had been set up in the hall in a comfortable armchair, right next to the portrait of Mrs. Black. Harry had placed an end-table next to it, topped with a plate heaped with snacks and a large mug of pumpkin juice. Every once in a while, Creature could be seen snapping his fingers, and the curtains had flung open on his mistress began another rant would whip shut again. Thankfully, the noise level throughout the house kept any of her insults from being heard by anyone other than the elf, who allowed himself a small but pleased smirk every time he shut her up. The gathering was in full swing when Draco stepped through the flue into the noisy, crowded drawing-room. Neville happened to be close by, and welcomed him by sliding a plate of sandwiches in front of his face before he could move any further. He happily took one and stood there chatting with Neville and Hannah, while scanning the room to see who else was there. Perhaps it would be better to ask who wasn't there, since it seemed like everyone he'd known at Hogwarts was present. Many of the guests had taken the host up on his offer to bring someone. Draco spotted Daphne and Theo sitting with Pansy Parkinson and Blaise Zabini across the room. Dean was circling the food-laden table in the dining room with George, Angelina Johnson, Oliver Wood, and Alicia Spinett. Ron and Katie Bell were playing a round of exploding snap with Seamus Finnegan and Susan Bones on the coffee table, and Harry was chatting with Anthony, Ginny, and two other seventh-years in front of the Christmas tree. Just as he was starting to wonder where she was, Hermione appeared in the hall at the opposite end of the room, followed by Luna. The two girls were carrying trays of assorted biscuits, which they squeezed onto a lower dresser that already contained a large punch-bowl. When she had set down her tray, Hermione wiped her hands on her jeans and turned to glance around the room. Her gaze fell on the newest arrival, and a smile immediately appeared on her face. Even with a room full of people between them, Draco could feel the pull towards her. She was happy to see him. There was no doubt about it from the way that she looked at him, and that thought alone made his heart swell. They had exchanged a few letters during the holiday break, but he wasn't exactly sure where to go from there. The conversation on the way to the McGonagall's office had given him hope, but had also made him extremely nervous. He didn't want to mess this up. "'Oi! Malfoy!' Theo hollered and waved him over. Draco approached the four former Slytherins, pulling up a chair to join them. He nodded at each of them, his gaze settling on the two newcomers, who still seemed to be taking in their surroundings with a mixture of curiosity and nervousness. "'Good to see you. Pansy. Zabini.' He greeted them both. "'You too, Draco?' Pansy raised an eyebrow at him. "'Hanging out with Potter now?' Draco shrugged, refusing to be baited into insulting someone who had genuinely become a good friend. "'He's a decent bloke. He's done a lot for me.' Pansy's eyes almost disappeared into her fringe, but Blaise was studying him intently. "'And the rest of them?' he asked, waving a hand in vague gesture to the crowd at large. Draco looked around the room, shrugged again, and nodded. Yeah, they've all been decent, too. He smirked at the look of incredulity that flashed across both Pansy and Blaze's face. Ask these two. He jerked his chin towards Daphne and Theo, looking for confirmation. I've been telling you all night, Pans, began Daphne. Everyone in our house is terrific, and the rest of the group here tonight has been nothing but friendly. You can't disagree. Pansy sighed rather reluctantly. You're right, I suppose. I just have a hard time admitting it. I'm at a party with a bunch of Gryffindors, Ravenclaws, and Hufflepuffs in Harry Potter's house. Never thought I'd see the day. She rolled her eyes, but chuckled wryly. Blaze was still staring at Draco, who raised an eyebrow in question. What? Blaze shook his head. You seem different. In what way? I'm not sure. Not yet, at least. I told you, Blaze, began Pansy. Draco was working to rebuild his family's name and reputation. Of course he's not going to revert back to acting like the arrogant arse he was in school. "'Thanks so much, Pans,' drawled Draco. "'No,' said Blaze, shaking his head. "'That's not it. I'll figure it out.' Theo, who had been watching the entire exchange, winked at Draco, raised his cup in an unspoken toast, and smirked when the blonde's cheeks turned pink. His amusement continued when a certain curly-haired witch appeared behind his friend, and he was afforded the opportunity to tease him further. "'Granger! Happy almost New Year!' he exclaimed, thoroughly appreciating the startled jump Draco gave. Hermione grinned at Theo, and then smiled welcomingly at Blaze and Pansy before addressing Daphne. "'You'll have to check out the Christmas tree in the study. I tried charming the ribbons the way you showed me. It didn't turn out too bad.' Oh, I'd love to, agreed Daphne, who then turned to Pansy and started explaining the technique she had taught her new friend. What have you been up to lately, Blaise? Hermione asked, not being very knowledgeable about him, other than knowing he was very tall, very rich, and very fashion conscious. Blaise seemed slightly surprised that she would engage him in conversation, but recovered quickly and began telling her about spending the last several months in Italy with his mother. As they talked, Draco could feel her hand on the back of his chair. She wasn't actually touching him, but she was as close as she could be without it, and it was driving him mad. He wanted to turn and watch her while she talked, but Theo's eyes were boring into him, gauging him for any reaction to her proximity, and he refused to give his friend any more leverage. Instead, he fiddled with the cuff of his jumper, trying to seem disinterested. I think Dean is planning a game for everyone in a bit, Hermione was telling the small group. He said something about charades, or Pictionary. She poked Draco lightly in the shoulder, and he looked up to find her smirking at him. "'We'll have to be on the same team again if he picks that one.' She winked at him and walked away to join the other group of friends. Draco turned back to his companions to find two of them smiling and understanding, and two of them goggling at him as if he'd grown a second head. "'Since when are you and Granger on the same team?' Pansy asked in disbelief. Daphne quickly came to his rescue, diving into an explanation of their house's weekly game night, while Theo chuckled into his drink. Blaze, however, was now watching Draco with a shrewd expression on his face. Refusing to get cornered into answering anything, he got up and announced he was going to get something to eat. In the dining room, he came across George, who introduced him to Angelina. "'My sister talks about you all the time,' the former Quidditch chaser chuckled. "'Imagine my surprise when she told me you were her mentor.' Draco gave a slightly embarrassed smile. Olivia's great. She seems to be enjoying her first Hogwarts experience. Oh, she definitely is, agreed Angelina. She fixed him with a serious look. Thanks for looking out for her, Malfoy. I appreciate all the time you've spent with her. Draco shrugged, feeling a mixture of pride and unease. Angelina placed her hand on his arm, causing him to meet her open, honest gaze. I mean it. Thank you. You're all right, Malfoy. She smiled, and he returned the gesture, nodding in appreciation. At that moment, Katie entered the room, apparently looking for Angelina, but froze when she saw Draco. The two had not spoken after the events of sixth year, when his cursed necklace had landed her in St. Mungo's. She approached him warily, her eyes flitting between him and her friend. Was just telling Malfoy how much Olivia loves having him as her mentor, Angelina offered by way of inviting Katie to join them. Her former teammate continued to look at him, with a mixture of skepticism and distrust. Maybe we should see if Creature needs more snacks, interjected George, grabbing Angelina by the hand and pulling her away. Draco took a deep breath, knowing what needed to happen, and met Katie's eyes. I'm sorry for what happened to you. I never meant for you, or anyone else, to get hurt. Truly, I... His voice faltered. Her dark eyes hadn't left his face, but they were now filled with tears and her lower lip was trembling. I regret all of it, so, so much. He dropped his gaze to the floor, waiting for her to rail at him. Katie sniffed, cleared her throat, and said, "'Thanks, Malfoy.' He jerked his gaze back up to hers, surprised at the lack of anger or reproach in her voice. "'I never thought I'd see the day when Draco Malfoy apologized for anything,' she continued, wiping her eyes and huffing a small laugh. "'I know you were going through hell that year. I know you didn't target me. It took me a long time to understand the bigger picture.' "'While I still think you should have gone to Dumbledore for help, I get it.' Draco nodded, his throat tight and his eyes stinging. "'These sodding Gryffindors and their forgiveness. He was never going to get used to it.' "'I'm glad you're okay,' he managed to choke out. "'Thanks,' she nodded. "'Me too.' From the other room, Dean's voice came booming. "'Game time, you tossers!' Both Katie and Draco groaned out a laugh, signaling the end of their conversation. Ron poked his head around the corner, reaching out his hand for Katie in a gesture for her to join him. "'You coming, Malfoy?' he asked. Draco nodded, gave himself a little shake to clear his head, and his heart, from the myriad of emotions that had just stampeded through over the short period of time since he'd arrived, and went to join his friends. With only about an hour to go before midnight, Hermione was surprised to hear the chime signaling someone was on the front steps. Creature, who had dozed off in his chair, immediately startled awake, and snapped his fingers before Mrs. Black could say more than, "'Filthy sons of—' She opened the door to find the Patel twin standing there, Padma, with a strained smile on her face, and Pervardi, who looked like she'd rather be anywhere else. "'Hey, Hermione,' Padma said with forced cheerfulness. "'Sorry we're late.' "'No problem at all,' Hermione opened the door wider and stepped aside, inviting the sisters to come in. Padma physically forced her twin over the threshold, where the girl stood with her hands in her pockets staring at the floor. Hermione looked questioningly at her housemate. We um we haven't gone out a whole lot over the holiday, explained Padma, looking downcast. Or at all, really. She sought a sideways glance at Privardi, who still hadn't moved. Well, I'm glad you came, encouraged Hermione. Everyone's in the drawing room watching a movie. If you want to join us. Padma's face lit up, but her sister continued to scowl at the rug. "'Or you can get something to eat first. Hermione offered, pointing towards the location of the food. "'Let's do that,' said Padma decisively, steering her twin in the direction of the dining-room. Hermione made her way back into the drawing-room. She had been sitting on one of the couches before the girls had arrived, and carefully climbed around and over the other guests who were sprawled around the room, a task made even more difficult by the fact that the only light was from the television screen.' Finally, she sank back into her seat next to Draco, who glanced at her and smiled before turning his attention back to the screen. Dean had chosen to show the classic musical, Holiday Inn, which had the room full of witches and wizards completely captivated. A short while later, the end credits were rolling and Harry lit the candles and sconces once more. The music picked back up and everyone was encouraged to grab one last plate of food before the midnight countdown was to take place. As Draco was making his way over to the punch bowl, he came face to face with Pavardi. "'You!' she breathed out in a shocked and angry whisper. Draco's eyes widened. He didn't remember ever interacting with Padma's sister before, and wasn't quite sure what was causing her reaction to him. He watched as her eyes filled with tears and a look of pure hatred filled her face. "'You have no right to be here,' she continued in a low, furious voice. "'You're the reason my best friend is dead. "'You're the reason the others are, too.' You should be rotting in a cell! But her tirade was interrupted when Harry happened to walk by and overheard her accusations. Pavardi, He asked quietly. Is everything okay? No, she spit out. No, it's not okay. And it's never going to be okay. I can't believe you would let this! She gestured to Draco with a flick of her wrist, disgust clearly etched on her features. Into your home! Malfoy is my friend, Pavardi, Harry said gently. I invited him. Well you're wrong Her voice started to rise and the tears began spilling down her cheeks. He's the reason Lavender is dead. How could you be friends with him? By this time several others had stopped nearby, witnessing the exchange. Padma came rushing over and wrapped her arms around her sister. Pavardi, let's just go home. Why didn't you tell me he would be here? Why would you make me come? Pavardi completely dissolved into sobs, clinging to her sister, who looked apologetically up at Draco. She mouthed the words, I'm sorry, to him, and to Harry, before leading her twin out of the room. In the stunned silence that followed, Draco spun on his heel and headed out of the drawing room, through the front hall, and out the front door. Once outside, he took a shaky breath of frigid air. It had started to snow, the front steps covered with a thin layer of fluffy white flakes. He descended the first three stairs, then sank down onto it with his arms on his knees, his head bowed. His heart was pounding, and the guilt and shame roiling in his gut made him feel sick. He shouldn't have come. He didn't really belong here, with all of these people who fought on the right side of the war. No matter how many of them forgave him or accepted him, he was still an outsider. Still a screw-up. He heard the door open behind him and felt someone sit down next to him. He lifted his head and saw Potter in his periphery. Sorry about that, said Harry. Draco snorted. "'You've got nothing to apologize for, Potter. "'I'm the one who's sorry. "'I shouldn't have come.' "'What are you on about?' "'I shouldn't have come. "'If I'd stayed home, Patil wouldn't have gotten upset, and—' "'But Harry cut him off. "'No, Malfoy, this wasn't your fault. "'Just like Lavender's death wasn't your fault. "'Provarty has been holed up in her house since May, "'grieving the loss of her best friend. "'Padma told me she blames everything on everyone these days. "'She just can't handle moving forward.' Her parents have started taking her to a mind-healer, trying to help her process her grief. But it's slow going." Harry sighed deeply and pinned Draco with his bright green eyes. "'There are always going to be people who can't forgive. There are always going to be people who hang on to their anger and their hatred, and who refuse to believe someone can change for the better.' He pointed to the house behind him. "'But the rest of the people in there? They're the majority. The ones who believe in second chances and changes of heart, the ones who can forgive and who believe in you. Draco looked back down at the steps below him, his eyes stinging and his throat clogged for the second time that night. Harry clapped him on the shoulder. What happened tonight wasn't your fault, Malfoy, and neither was what happened in May. With that, he stood and went back inside. Draco continued to sit on the steps, watching the snow fall silently around him. He thought about what Harry had just said. He reluctantly saw the truth of it and was ashamed of his knee-jerk reaction to Bavardi's outburst. Even after all this time, after so many months of building relationships with his housemates, and making consistent efforts to change the way the world perceived him, one negative interaction sent him scuttling back into his cave of self-loathing. For someone who spent the first seventeen years of his life caring so little about what others thought of him, he needed to develop a thicker skin. He realized, however, that for all the progress he'd been making within the safe, protective walls of Hogwarts, the rest of the wizarding world was not nearly as forgiving or accepting as his housemates and their friends. Tonight was a stark reminder of that fact, and it settled like a heavy weight on his shoulders. He still had a very, very long way to go if he wanted the Malfoy name to be even remotely respected again. The thought of his mother facing such vengeful animosity made his eyes burn with regretful tears. He took a deep breath, knowing he wasn't going to solve all of his problems in one night, especially not sitting out in the freezing cold. He decided he would go back inside, thank Harry for inviting him, and try to slip out without too many people noticing. He wanted to wish Hermione a Happy New Year, but... He heard the door open again and sighed. I'm coming, Potter. But as he turned to start to get up, he saw that it wasn't Harry who had come outside this time, but Hermione... His breath hitched in his throat as he took in the look of concern on her face, and he felt slightly self-conscious, knowing his cheeks were probably flushed and his eyes still wet. He looked back down at the steps as she settled next to him, her hip touching his. She made a small motion with her hand, and he immediately felt the step he was sitting on warm up, along with the air around him. He glanced at her. It's cold out here, she shrugged. She watched the snowflakes as they fell from the sky. Are you okay? She asked without looking at him, which he appreciated. Yeah, he grunted, then cleared his throat. I'm fine. She was wrong, you know, Hermione began, still not looking at him. It's not your fault Lavender died, or anyone else that day. Greyback was responsible for her death, but ultimately it was all Voldemort's fault. Draco nodded, blinking furiously. Harry said you thought you shouldn't have come here tonight. She turned to face him now, but he still stared at the snow-covered steps. "'But you have just as much right to be here as any of us, and I'm glad you did.' She paused as if deliberating whether or not to continue. In true Golden Girl fashion, she forged ahead, determined to get her message across. "'All of us have baggage, and scars, and nightmares from the war. We all have regrets. We all made mistakes, and we are all trying to cope and move forward the best we can.' Her voice faltered, the tiniest bit, and Draco's stomach clenched, hating that it was painful for her to say these things, but too selfishly clinging to the lifeline she was offering to tell her to stop. "'You aren't alone in this, Draco. The changes you've made since last May aren't wiped away just because others refuse to see them. The friendships you've made don't dissolve just because one person drudges up your past. You left so quickly. You didn't hear Neville, Angelina, and Dean all immediately jump to your defense—' Not that they even needed to. No one in that room blamed you for what Provardi said. Please believe that. She looked imploringly at him, willing the tears that had filled her eyes to stay put. Again, he simply nodded and continued to stare at the steps. Do you really believe me, or are you just agreeing to get me to shut up? She asked, a slight teasing tone now infused her words. He turned his head the slightest bit, just enough to see her face. Her eyes were warm and kind— her perfect lips tilted in a tiny smile. He quirked a lopsided grin and nodded again. From inside the house, he heard Dean holler something about the countdown starting soon. He looked straight ahead at the empty street, still battling the emotions warring within him. "'You should go back inside. You don't want to miss the countdown,' he said in a gravelly voice. "'Well,' she said softly, watching him closely, "'there's no one in there I want to kiss at midnight.' Draco's heart lurched, and he snapped his head around completely to meet her gaze. She was peering up at him shyly through her long lashes. Did she really mean what he thought she meant? Even after the humiliating scene inside? Ten! Nine! He heard the revelers inside began the traditional chant. She still wanted this? Wanted him? After he'd skulked away like a coward? Eight! Seven! Six! She was close enough for him to feel the heat radiating off of her. Close enough to see the golden flecks sparkling in her deep brown eyes. Five, four, three! The party goers were getting louder. He knew he didn't deserve this moment, but he'd be hanged if he was going to let it slip through his grasp. He turned slightly towards her, and she leaned in just the slightest bit, her eyes still on his. Two, one! Draco bent his head and pressed his lips to hers. The cheers and celebrating going on inside were drowned out by the pounding of his heart. He was engulfed by the apricot-vanilla scent of her, and he felt like he'd found something he hadn't known he'd been missing. A shiver ran up his spine that had nothing to do with the wintry air around them, and he pulled back just enough to gauge her reaction. Her eyes fluttered open, and a dreamy smile floated across her face. "'Happy New Year,' she whispered. "'Happy New Year.' He moved his hands up to cup the sides of her face, and brought his lips to hers again. He felt her slide one hand around the back of his neck, where her fingers wove into his hair. He angled his face slightly, deepening the kiss, and heard her sigh. This was it. He was never going to move from this spot. Potter could use a different door to get in and out of his home. Speaking of... The famous one had an impeccable knack for interrupting life-changing events, because the front door opened then, causing their blissful moment to come to a screeching halt. "'Uh, sorry,' Harry stammered, realizing he had clearly barged in on something. "'Just making sure you're all right, then, yeah?' Hermione had turned to smirk at her best friend, while Draco dropped his hands and glared at the dark-haired distraction. "'Yep, good!' Harry shot them both an apologetic grimace and quickly shut the door. Hermione chuckled and looked back at Draco, who was now nervously toying with the sleeve of his jumper. She placed a hand on his cheek, forcing him to look at her. She regarded him for a second, or two, with a look she couldn't quite decipher, then leaned in and kissed him softly once, twice, three times, before pulling back and making to stand up. He watched her soundlessly, unsure of what to say, or if he could even formulate the words if his brain came up with them. She held out her hand. "'Come inside with me?' He looked at her hand and back up at her face, open and inviting, and nodded. He knew this was more than a simple invitation to go back to the party. This was them, moving forward, together. As he stood and intertwined his fingers with her, he marveled at how perfectly their hands fit, and couldn't stop the smile spreading across his face if he tried.